This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go. It's the Steelers show. I'm Brian Anthony Davis. You can call me bad. Kevin Smith is with me. You can call him KT. Kevin Thatcher, what is going on, my friend? Brian, how are you? I feel I feel like I start every every show by telling you how excited I am. Yeah, you do. Uh, and I do, and, right? It's genuine. Yeah. Well, uh, is it fair to say that this week we have a few things to be excited about? Uh, come on, don't downplay it. This is probably <laughs> the most excited that Steeler fans have ever been in March, I would say, in 40-some years. I mean, we have not seen a March like this. No. And it's it's been absolutely amazing. Now, is this going to happen every year? No, it's not. I was telling Dave Schofield today, Kevin, that this is kind of the spending spree that they're on has been a smart spending spree. But it's like when dad gets that extra Christmas bonus and they have some more money to throw around around the holidays and you get a little more this year and it goes into the kids gifts and you get a little extra and, you know, dad's like, don't expect this every year, but we had a good year and we're going to take care of you. Yeah, that's a good analogy. It's funny, as I was cooking dinner tonight, I was watching uh, the TV was on and I uh, an episode of Seinfeld came on. It was the Bizarro Jerry episode. Oh, Bizarro. Where, yeah. I, I used to be Bizarro Brian. Yeah, well, this has been Bizarro Kevin Colbert because uh, it just, you know, it just feels like uh, I, I obviously everything you just said is, is relevant. And and Colbert's got some cash to play with. And we've, we've never seen you know this before for, with Kevin Colbert. But it's really interesting too. some of the comments he made before free agency when he talked about one of the reasons he stayed on through the draft was because he wanted to make sure that he had the Steelers in a really good place when he left and that he could leave. He could leave behind something that was, you know, that would be both in good hands with the next person coming in, but that they wouldn't be they wouldn't have to take over a, a complete rebuild. And I, I think he sure as heck is doing that. You know, he's really made some smart, smart moves. He really has. But if I could poke a little bit of a hole in the bizarro Kevin Colbert theory, it's the fact that this has been, even though it's been weird to see the Steelers do what they've been doing, it's a very Steeler-like methodical process because the contracts that they're giving out are very team-friendly. They're getting players to buy into these two-year deals that aren't killing them on the cap, but they work for everybody. And Miles Jack said it today. Hey, one of the reasons I'm here is I talked to Mike Tomlin on the phone, and that's all I needed to know. True, you know, Trubisky said the same thing. Trubisky said, uh, I wanted to be in Pittsburgh. I wanted to play for Coach Tomlin, and I wanted to play for that organization. Now, it's not, it's not just as simple as that, obviously. They, 
they they both saw an opportunity for you know, a good football fit for them. Trubisky certainly sees this as a place where he believes he can become the starter. And, and you know, Miles Jack's certainly aware that the Steelers have a need at linebacker. So, so in that sense, there was you know, an opportunity for them. But I sure as heck think that, that one of the reasons we've seen some of these very, very team-friendly contracts is because people respect the idea of coming to Pittsburgh. They really do. I think it matters. They want to play for Mike Tomlin. They want to play for the Steelers. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think that that's a big draw. Now, a lot of people are, are calling the Steelers and the Broncos so far winners in this whole process, in this whole week. And, you know, I always caution because we've seen the Cleveland Browns be the the uh, preseason winners, so paper champions so many years in a row. I just feel like it's these are deals that you're bringing guys in, but you're not bringing in superstars, but you're bringing in perfect pieces of the puzzle. But there's two guys here that I absolutely love and three other guys that I like a whole heck of a lot. And so when I say that, I'd like to rank these players that the Steelers brought in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out chronologically the players and then I'm going to go ahead and we're going to talk about the uh, the other moves that the Steelers made, but the other moves being the in-house guys. We'll, we'll keep that separate, and then we'll look for the overall champion. So if we go five to one, if you can go ahead and rank these players for me, but I'm going to do it chronologically. I'm going to start with quarterback Mitchell Trubisky coming over from the Buffalo Bills also late of the Chicago Bears. He's your quarterback. Second, Mason Cole. He was an Arizona Cardinal first, a third-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. Then he ended up with the Minnesota Vikings. He was one of the guys that was responsible for Dalvin Cook shredding the Steelers in that Thursday night, December 9th game back in 2021. He plays center, can also play guard. Then, the third guy in is one that I'm really, I think he could be a cornerstone for this team. His name is James Daniels. No, he has not been to a Pro Bowl, but he's played four years in this league. He's 25 years old. He is a guard that can move. He's a big guy, but can move around. You need that presence on the offensive line. So James Daniels of the Chicago Bears. The fourth guy in is a guy I wasn't that familiar with. Then I'm like, hey, I remember Levi Wallace now. He's another young corner. Hasn't been with the Buffalo Bills that long. I believe four years with the Bills. And he's a player that he was playing opposite Tredavious White and did really well. So you get your corner in there. And then finally, the news came yesterday. He wasn't an unrestricted free agent. He was a street free agent. So the Steelers were able to sign him right away. And it was Miles Jack of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're all jacked up about that pick. So if I can have you go ahead and rank those guys in order, which let me preface this, just because you're ranked fifth doesn't mean that you aren't awesome. I mean, I still think these are phenomenal pickups. So before I have you rank them, Kevin, I'd like you to give me an overview of how excited you are. 
Well, the thing I think that is really exciting is they haven't they haven't signed a single guy who uh, one doesn't have a fit on this team. Two uh, is a player who makes you think they either overpaid for or there's some sort of risk uh, involved. You know, as far as an injury issue goes, I mean, Jack would be the most questionable from an injury standpoint, uh, but he's still a real young guy. And and then three, you know, each one, they're all high character guys. They're all guys who are, uh, you know, good football players, team guys. Uh, none of these guys have had off the field issues. Uh, most of them come from uh, systems where they've been coached up pretty well. So, um, and like, like, you know, we were saying, you know, just a minute ago, I mean, these are also guys who want to be in Pittsburgh. So when you put all those things together, there are smart signings on really, really team friendly contracts and they're good people and, and, and very solid football players. So, so from an overview uh, perspective, I, I don't think, I don't understand how you can be anything but excited. That's exactly what I want to hear. So let's go with number five. If you're going to rank these players, as far as the impact you think that they're going to have and the excitement of the signing. So for me, five is going to be Mason Cole. And that, and that's again, not, not a slight to him. He is a solid football player. You and I were talking before the the uh, podcast, and I kind of likened him to a better version of BJ Finney. He's versatile. He's position flexible. He's played center and guard. Uh, he's not he's not a, a hammer in the trenches. You know, he's not a mauler. Uh, he's not a kind. He's not the kind of guy that's just gonna gonna uh, you know Chris Kimo Otto. And he's not gonna absolutely just overwhelm people with his physicality. But unlike Kimo Otto, he's a, he's a real tactician. He's got great technique. He understands scheme. Uh, Minnesota ran a wide zone, outside zone based run game. Um, and, and he was excellent in that scheme. So he's a guy who, if he doesn't win the starting job at center, uh, will, will slot in nicely as that swing lineman, uh, that ever important interior swing lineman. We always, there's always a need for that next man between the center and the two guard spots. And I think he gives them a better swing lineman if he is that guy, if he's not the starter than they've had in a long time. And if he becomes the starter, I mean, this is a guy who's made 38 starts at center over his career. So you're getting an experienced guy who, like you just said, uh, was part of a real good rushing attack in Minnesota last year. I'm going to call him Mason Cole, a peace of mind guy. And the reason I'm going to say that is he does not have to win the starting job to be great for this team. I'm looking at him, like you mentioned, BJ Finney. We saw Chris Hubbard in roles where you know you could rely on a guy coming off the bench. If someone gets hurt, he steps in and you feel like, okay, we're not going to miss a beat with him. If he does not get the starting job, you feel that he has been beaten out by a guy who has really become a good player because he is going to up the ante. He's going to be tough competition for anybody. We'd love to see him win a job, win a starting job. But if he doesn't, you don't lose. I'm going to compare him a little bit. Not, I'm not talking style of play, but how important Joe Haig became to this team last year. Joe Haig, there, here's a guy that people were hoping that he wouldn't play a whole heck of a lot so they can get an extra comp pick out of him. But you needed him down the line, and you did not want to not have him down the stretch last year because he was so important to this team. Is he a guy you're going to get excited about? No. 
But at the end of the day, you've got peace of mind because you've got Joe Haig, and now you've got peace of mind because you have Mason Cole on your roster. Right. Yeah, and he's a better football player than Joe Haig, but that's a good comparison. And the point you made earlier, if he doesn't win the starting job, if he doesn't become the starting center, well, then that'll that'll speak volumes about the growth of Kendrick Green. So that won't be a bad thing. That won't be because Mason Cole's not a good football player. That will be because Kendrick Green has really taken a leap uh, heading into his sophomore season. That's very true. So I am going to go ahead and agree with number five there. Let's look at number four. So number four is, is, is sort of a toss-up for me, and I'm going to kind of flip-flop on, on what, what you and I had talked about you know, before we went on. So for number four, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Miles Jack. Uh, and the only thing that kind of holds me back from put, putting him higher on the list is the fact that he does have a bit of an injury history. And if you want to sort of look at where the, look at the Steelers defense from last year and ask yourself this question, where, where does he fit in? So, so is he going to be the strong side on ball linebacker and allow Devin Bush to be the off ball weak side backer? That seems to be the plan. Uh, if, when you think about last year's defense and, and if that's the case, while he's an extremely good player, he hasn't been, great on the strong side he's been a little bit better in that off ball spot so I know that there's some people that would say well he's a bigger version of Devin Bush I mean are, are they a little bit redundant because stylistically they're, they're kind of similar so I mean those would be my only reservations now the thing I'm excited about with Miles Jack is this I think the Steelers are going to look uh, I don't want to say a lot different on defense next year, but I think that there are, there are going to be some, some differences in terms of their personnel packages, the way they match guys. Uh, I think Brian Flores, who, who did some really creative stuff with his personnel packages and the way that he liked to bring people and the mug looks that he would run where you got six, seven guys milling around at the line of scrimmage and you're making the offense try to figure out who's coming and who's bailing. You know, sometimes you're going to have two down looks with three backers uh, and, and in your, in your dime. And I can see miles Jack actually being a part of that dime defense, uh, you know, taking on some coverage roles and also being a blitzer. He's a great blitzer. So my point is this, my point is it wouldn't shock me if we saw some configurations next year where you have Bush and Jack on the field together, but Jack's not playing a traditional linebacker role or where you have Bush and Jack and maybe Robert Spillane together where Spillane is really playing the on-ball backer, uh, and and Jack is you know more of kind of in and I don't want to say a nickel role, but is allowed to play a little bit in the alley uh, and use the fact that he's a good blitzer to come off the edge and create some some chaos there. So I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of scheme things up with Miles Jack because he's a versatile guy, um, and, and you know hopefully he just stays healthy and and we can let the defensive uh, coaches you know get to work in the laboratory. On last night's episode of the Curtain Call. Jeffrey Benedict made a point to say that this move kind of confuses him a little bit because you have two very fast linebackers back there, but you don't have the run stopper at linebacker that you were used to with a guy like Vince Williams just two years ago. Does this kind of pave the way for them to possibly draft a guy like Jordan Davis, get that Casey Hampton type guy to plug up the middle and then make it a whole lot easier for those guys for those guys not ha- not to have to meet 
an offensive lineman because that's what Jeffrey was afraid of most that if Bush or now Jack meet up with an island, excuse me, with a linebacker, they're going to be completely neutralized. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, run games are getting more horizontal. Uh, teams are making you run sideline to sideline. And if the backers can't do that, then obviously, you know, it's hard for them to be on the field. So the more that you have big guys up front who can eat up blocks and, and uh, let those, those second-level players run, the better you're going to be. When you think about Pittsburgh's division, now, granted, Cleveland's a downhill run team, but they got a lot of problems right now. So, I mean, when you think about the two the two teams you really have to beat in the division, Cincinnati and, and Baltimore, you look at their their horizontal run game uh, as being a big threat. You know, I mean, both those teams are going to try to attack you with the outside zone scheme. Lamar Jackson, you know, kind of getting on the edge. You got you need linebackers who can run uh, and in you know in the run game run defensive game to be able to combat them. So. So that's why I, I thought, you know, maybe Jack is going to play with Bush, but you, you may see some other sort of creative schemes involving other linebackers as well. Wouldn't shock me if they if they went after a guy like Jordan Davis. Also wouldn't shock me if they if they took another backer, you know, in the first or second round. Uh, I think that with some of the things they've done in free agency and the needs that they've filled, that it really frees them up to sort of kind of pick whoever they want early in the draft. All right, let's go ahead to our number three acquisition. So number three is, is for me is Mitchell Trubisky. And I mean, I would probably in a normal off season, he'd be number one. I mean, he, he's the quarterback, right? He's the guy who's probably going to be given every chance to, to win the starting job. And normally you would say to yourself, Hey, uh, anybody, if they're going to bring in a new starting quarterback, then he's the guy I'm most excited about. And I'm not saying I'm not, excited about Trubisky I do think he'll be the quarterback I do think he'll win the job um, I think he really fits Matt Canada's scheme well we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show uh, I think he's better than he's been given some credit for uh, I, I thought you know he made a he made a lot of mistakes in Chicago and and he had some big flaws in his game uh, flaws that involved accuracy and his inability to throw a good deep ball but he was not really – I mean, the Chicago scheme didn't fit what Trubisky does. I mean, they drafted Trubisky with the notion that, like, he was an athletic quarterback who you could use in a variety of ways. And then they proceeded to just stick him in the pocket and try to turn him into a pocket passer. And that was that, – that just didn't go well. And then he went to Buffalo where you, you see what they've done with, with Josh Allen up there, man. They, they move that pocket all over the place. I mean, Allen's great from the pocket, but he's incredibly dangerous when he gets outside and uses his legs. And I think Trubisky learned a lot in that system. And I think that's the system that he's going to be asked to run here in Pittsburgh. So he's a really good fit for the Steelers offense. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about him. And the, and the only reason I put him as number three on the list is because I'm, I'm extremely excited about the next two guys. All right. So let me say this. I am going to say something completely ridiculous here, but you're going to understand where I'm coming from. I like when you say ridiculous things. I I, I am going to go ahead and call Mitch Trubisky, Huey Lewis and the news. And the reason I'm going to say that, because the other two guys that we're going to talk about, we can probably equate them more to, let's say, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and the Eagles. Okay. They're great, great fans. They're awesome. And they're bringing more to this. They're going to be superstars. Huey Lewis in the news, 
is a great band that everybody loves. You're, they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but when you talk about hit after hit after hit, and you talk about these guys, man, you love them. And there's no one that I've talked to that's ever said, man, I don't like Huey Lewis in the news. So the reason I'm <laughs> saying that for this whole, for this whole ritual that we're doing here, for this whole exercise, what I'm going to say is he's, he's still, Huey Lewis in the news are still great. So Trubisky is a great signing here. He's just not the Eagles right now. And he's just not Bruce Springsteen in the East Street Band. You know, uh, Jeffrey Lebowski would disagree with you about the Eagles vehemently. Oh, the dude does cool. not like the Eagles. Ah, come on. I love the yeah. Eagles. <laughs> and uh, I've never said that when I talked about when I've talked about football. But when I talk about Glenn Fry, Timothy B. Schmidt, Joe Walsh, Don Henley. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love the Eagles. So Trubisky's going to have a situation here where, um, you know, he's going to have a solid defense like he had in Chicago, but he's going to have much better weapons on offense. And, and that's going to benefit him as well. He's also older and wiser, and he's dealt with some adversity. Um, I think some people have made some Ryan Tannehill comparisons over the last week, like Me. maybe his career arc. Right, yeah, maybe his career arc will follow a Ryan Tannehill. Uh, model and that that would be a really good thing if he turned out to be Ryan Tannehill here right, Steelers fans are going to be really happy so let me ask you this there's one guy that I want to bring up real quick that a lot of people scoffed when this deal was made I probably scoffed as well but I understand it and it's Chuksakura for and the reason I'm going to bring him up real quick before we get to the other two guys is I'm bringing him up because he seems like this is a Matt Canada design pick. You mentioned before we went on that this is a Matt Canada world and we're just living in it. So is Trubisky a guy that was brought in along with Mason Cole and the other guys we're going to talk about along with Chooks perfectly fit to be in the scheme that we believe that Matt Canada is going to run? A hundred percent. No question about it. There's no doubt that he's a guy who Canada identified as a quarterback who could run his system. And there's no doubt that, that, that they look at Mason Rudolph and at least question whether or not he can be that guy. I mean, I think, I think the last time the Steelers had as odd a pairing with their one and two quarterbacks, you got to kind of go back to Cordell Stewart and Tommy Maddox, who were, who were two incredibly different style of quarterbacks and you know Mason Rudolph was brought in to be Ben Roethlisberger's backup and and Ben Roethlisberger was never designed to be Matt Canada's quarterback even when they brought in Canada last year I think they understood that Roethlisberger would had one year left and they would make it work for one year and that they were going to give when Roethlisberger left they were going to give Canada a chance to run his offense so Mason Rudolph was never brought in as a, a Matt Canada guy and so when they had the chance this offseason to kind of go out and look at the market, I think that they identified the person that they felt would best run Canada's system, uh, and that's Trubisky. And I think the reason they've re-signed Okura for is because he's athletic. Uh, he, he protects the passer pretty well. I think they're going to run an outside zone scheme next year, a, a ton of outside zone, which is something they didn't do this year. I think he's a guy who can do that. 
what what he is not is a power blocker he is not a, a guy who who uh, imposes his will at the line of scrimmage and th- and that that gets under the skin of Steeler fans because they just they see the guy as being like you know is he is he weak is he passive is he just not aggressive enough etc um but it's just all the Steelers ran this year was inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, because they couldn't run a whole lot more in the run game with Roethlisberger and, and Chooks was not suited for that. So I think they see him as a guy who, yeah, man, he pairs up well with Canada. So let's go to number two now. And who is your number two outside undrafted free agent selection for the Pittsburgh Steelers? So I have broken down the Buffalo bills a lot in the last couple of years, because during the season, I, I do the, the preview article that comes out usually on like Thursday or Friday before the game. So I preview the upcoming opponent and I've previewed the Buffalo bills several times and I've gotten to watch a lot of film on Levi Wallace. And I really think he is a good player. Uh, I know he was the number two in Buffalo and he was, and he was playing a, a, you know, opposite of a a great player in Tredavious white. But when Wallace, when white got hurt last year and they had to move Wallace to the number one spot, their, their defensive uh, their pass defense didn't drop off at all. He is here's some things that Steeler fans are going to love about him. So if you're listening right now, uh, this is stuff to be excited about in regard to Levi Wallace. He will tackle, uh, and that is a breath of fresh air considering how bad the Steelers tackled last year, and how how many times did we watch Pittsburgh corners kind of throw a shoulder at a guy? This is a guy Levi Wallace who will wrap up run his feet and put guys on the ground. And that is exciting for me. He is physical at the line of scrimmage. He's a cover two corner. If you're a cover two corner, you are physical. You, you are banging guys at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you are good in communication. And that's another area where the Steelers have struggled at times. He's a very good communicator. He and the safeties, uh, and Minka and whomever the other guy, the other safety is, will, will undoubtedly work well together. Um, and he's a guy who, who I think you can, you can slot on a team's number one if you have to. I mean, I think the Steelers are going to be, uh, even though they've re-signed Akella Weatherspoon, I think they'll take a corner early in the draft. But I think that uh, with Wallace, uh, they feel like they've got a really tough, versatile guy who fits what they want to do. And again, just watching him in Buffalo, man, I think he's a very good football player. Who's number one on Kevin's list for the new players for the Pittsburgh Steelers? We're going to find out right after this, after a break on Here We Go, the Steelers show. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. It is, wow, it's the first day of the league year. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We are all excited. And when you think about St. Patrick's Day, you think of the Roonies. Man, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a very Irish team because of its roots, are celebrating today on St. Patrick's Day. Well, at least their fans are because it has been a banner week. I, I guess please excuse the pun because we're releasing Zach Banner, but <laughs> let's just say it's been a fantastic week for acquisitions and smart acquisitions and loving it. We're going to go ahead and recap Kevin's 
five through two as far as the new fellas that the Steelers are bringing in. Number five, Mason Cole. Number four, Miles Jack. Number three, the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. At number two, Levi Wallace, the cornerback late of the Buffalo Bills. And number one, I guess that leaves one guy. Who is it? Yeah, so Mr. James Daniels is uh, he he I, I think he's got a chance to be the best free agent offensive line signing since Jeff Harding's back in 2001. And, you know, we know how that ended up a couple years later. The Steelers were hoisting the Lombardi. So if history repeats itself with Mr. Daniels, we'll all be excited. What does this guy bring? He's only 24. Yeah, 24 years old. He's already got 48 starts in the NFL. And um, all right, so what he brings is a couple of things. One, uh, athletic. Uh, he can move. He's a good puller, very good in pass protection. He moves his feet really well. When you watch his feet, he does a great job of uh, in pass protection, mirroring the feet of, of the, the defender, which means, you know, he stays in front of guys. He's on balance. When he pulls and traps or when he pulls and kicks out, He's got his, his feet under his hips, which is he's not one of these guys that's just like running out there and then just trying to lay out the the, the alley guy and, and getting all his weight forward. And he winds up whiffing on the block and landing on his face. You see that all the time. Uh, he, he doesn't do that. Uh, he's not a he's not a mauler up inside, but he's a guy who's got great technique. He's a, he's a, an, another guy, another great hand fighter. When he gets his hands on guys, they don't disengage. He's really good at getting to the second level. Uh, you, which is something the Steelers struggled terribly with last season. And, and when he gets his hands on linebackers, he's got, you know, you hear people use the phrase sticky hands. He's got what, what, what are called sticky hands, which means it's just, it's just hard for blockers to get off. And they, they don't just, they don't disengage easily. Um, and the, the other thing is he's tenacious, man. I mean, he, again, he's not a physical mauler. His biggest weakness is he will struggle against really elite, big one techs or, or, or really big physical defensive tackles. Uh, he's, he's not going to move them out of the hole, but again, I don't know if the Steelers are going to have a run game this year where, the, where they're going to be expected to win a lot of those one-on-one blocks, but for not, for a guy who's not the most uh, overpowering dude at the line of scrimmage, he's incredibly tenacious. I think Steeler fans are going to love him because he, he's like what, what I like to call an echo of the whistle guy. We, we talk about this with our players all the time, play to the echo of the whistle like we teach our offensive linemen when you hear the whistle that's when you finish the block that's when you finish with the shove you always want your hands on uh, a lineman when the whistle blows and then we finish the block by disengaging at the whistle and you see that all the time with Daniels you see him hands on hands on longer than anybody up front you see a lot of film clips where there's offensive linemen kind of standing and watching the play and James Daniels is still getting on a guy so, you know, Steeler fans love tenaciousness, and I think that they're going to love this guy because, I mean, he's got it. Can this guy be a cornerstone anchor for this line for years to come? Well, I mean, I've got a, an article coming out on the site tomorrow that's titled, you know, something to the effect of, like, James Daniels is, is the centerpiece that the Steelers offensive line needs. Uh, so I believe so, absolutely. You're a Steeler fan, and you've been a Steeler fan for a long time. Let me ask you, in just the past couple of days since this man has come into our world, how many times have you mispronounced his name by calling him James Daniel, the same name as the Steelers' former tight end coach? I have not done that, but I did combine him and Miles Jack 
uh, earlier and, and I called him Jack Daniels. So I mean, <laughs> there's that. There's that. <laughs> was that, was that an accident or was that just a thirst? That, that might have been a Freudian slip. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got of these five guys that we've just talked about, three of them are on offense. We just also talked about Shuk Sakura for, who is the one holdover on offense that has been brought back by the Steelers. He's a Steelers free agent that chose not to go elsewhere, that the Steelers chose to bring back. So with those four guys, and I asked you, and you already hinted at it, you already kind of answered my question, but once again, are we in a situation where this team is being built on offense for Matt Canada to succeed and to dominate. Yeah, I, absolutely. This is this is all stuff that the Steelers have done in an effort to give Matt Canada the pieces that they believe he needs to be successful. I think they're all in. And what's interesting too is you, you see like these short contracts they're giving guys. They're giving these two and three year deals. To me, that's the window Canada has to get this right. That they're basically saying we're going to give you these pieces, but we're not going to give them these five and six year deals because. You know, your first year as OC, it didn't go well, but you, you, you didn't have the pieces you need. We're going to get you those pieces. We're going to give you a couple of years. And if this thing's had not headed in the right direction, we can kind of divorce everybody uh, and, and, and move in another direction. Right. But when you look at like what some of the things that they've done. So you've got Eddie Faulkner on staff as the running backs coach. He coached with Canada at NC State. You got Frisman Jackson, who was just brought on as the new wide receivers coach. He coached with Canada at NC State. You got Pat Meyer, who was hired as the offensive line coach. Uh, he doesn't have a direct Canada connection, but he his specialty as a line coach is in the outside zone scheme, uh, developing athletic linemen who are technicians. He's not Adrian Clem. He's not a guy that says, you know, I'm going to let just try and get guys to line up and knock your block off. Uh, he's he's clearly more of a Canada-based hire, a guy who's who, who's special. Uh, uh, strengths, I should say, as a coach fit with what Canada does. And then you look at Cole and Daniels and Trubisky and all of those guys uh, are well suited for the Canada offense. So that's a question we want to answer too. Like, you know, people talk all the time, like what's okay. The Canada offense, the Canada offense, you know, what's Matt Canada's offense. And, you know, that's something that I think we need, we need to discuss as well. So I'm going, we're going to go position by position. And what I want you to do is I'd like on a scale from one to 10 where you were a week ago with this position group on the offense and where you are now. Let's start with quarterback. Well, I feel so much better about the quarterback situation, even though it's Trubisky. Um, and, and there's a lot of unknowns about Mitchell Trubisky, right? If, if, if he's Mitchell Trubisky from Chicago in 2019, it's probably not going to go well. But if he's a more mature version of Mitchell Trubisky uh, and and by all indications, the, the Bills were thrilled with him, that they that they felt like he had matured and progressed tremendously and that they really liked him in their system. Uh, then I feel really good about him because he's a Canada guy. Uh, I don't feel I would have felt very, very uh, reserved and had a lot of concerns about trying to make Mason Rudolph, Matt Canada's quarterback. Cause I think it would have been, we'd been in a similar boat uh, as we were in last year. So on a scale of one to 10, I'm, I'm probably feeling like a, uh, like about an eight 
in regard to the quarterback situation. Whereas, you know, a week ago I fell around a four. Wow. I mean, gosh, that is quite a jump. I love it. And is that situation also due to the offensive line? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, you got, I mean, how can you not feel so much better about the offensive line right now? Daniels is the best player. will be the best player on the line. Cole will be better than most of their linemen from last year. Resigning a core for has some people worked up a little bit, but again, I think you're going to see a different scheme this year and you're going to see a scheme for which he's a little bit better suited. You're going to see Dan Moore as a second year player where most likely he's going to improve. I mean, he, he, he's a guy who I think when the year started last year and we were like, Oh my God, they're going to start Dan Moore at, at left tackle. That, that, that was a scary thought. And then, you know, by, by the end of the season, we, we felt pretty good about Dan Moore. And I think with Pat Meyer uh, in house, uh, he'll help in Moore's development. Uh, so there's really kind of only one position spot where you, you think to yourself, all right, well, who's that fifth guy going to be? Is it going to be Kevin Dotson, who has shown some good things, but uh, but seems to have regressed a little bit last year? Is it going to be Kendrick Green, uh, who, you know, was a little overwhelmed as a rookie? Uh, will he make a sophomore jump? That's really kind of the only spot where you question, it. is it going to be a rookie, man? I mean, are they going to are they going to draft a, a guy in the first round? Right. You know, I mean, they they could take a guard. Uh, you know, in the first round and, and, uh, and plug him in there. We, we don't know, but obviously we feel a lot better about the line right now. You have to, than you did a week ago. So let's go ahead a week ago. Where were you ranking the situation and where are you doing it now? Uh, you know, I, 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 I ranked <laughs> a week ago. I think we were all probably in the three, four range in our sort of confidence level about the line. And I feel kind of similar about, uh, you know, as, as with the quarterback spot, I'm probably in like a seven or eight range right now. Fantastic. I, I will take that in a heartbeat. Now, here's an interesting one that we're going to go ahead and bring up. And we can go a lot quicker on this one because we know what Mason Rudolph, excuse me, we know what Mitch Trubisky brings. He is, can I dare call him a little bit of a game manager? And can I dare say that, He's probably the guy that's going to benefit more from a running game that is going to go 25 to 30 carries a game and uh, be pushing 100 yards a carry. Now, I talked to uh, Joey Christopoulos from uh, Believe in Bears yesterday, and also Michael and Jeffrey had him on the curtain call as well. And he told me, he's like, man, this is my number one pick. In fantasy football, it's Najee Harris for what they've done with the line and for the quarterback situation. Everything seems like it's going to go through Najee. So where were you a week ago with the running back situation and where are you now? Well, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I love Najee Harris. He was in a horrible situation last year. Not only was the line bad and was the passing game limited, and there was nothing to really like back the defense off. But all they ran last year was inside zone. And, I mean, yeah, that's inside zone is just like an, an A-gap run play. You're just running downhill into the middle of the line, and you're looking for a seam. And when there's no seam there, you're running into the backs of people. How Najee Harris got, got contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage more than any running back in the NFL last year. So now, not only have you improved things up front, You've also added a quarterback who can run the play action game, which is going to displace defenses and slow them down and back them off. 
And you're going to add the outside zone scheme, which is a much better scheme for a guy like Harris, who has good vision and good burst because outside zone gives him the ball a little bit later when he, when, you know, when the blocks have already been set up uh, as opposed to inside zone where, you know, you got the football and you got to make your cut immediately. And if there's no seam there, then you're getting hammered. So all of those things seem to trend towards uh, or, or into Najee Harris's advantage. True or false. The Steelers have to, draft a fast compliment to Najee Harris a thunder in Harris and a lightning in a new player I uh, I don't think they have to but it would sure be nice if they did that I've always loved them having you know the idea of them having a, a change of pace back who could do you know uh, do some things like uh, like the McKittrick kid in in, uh, in Kansas City does for their offense um, I don't know you know I don't do they have to get that guy in the draft? Will they be able to, you know, kind of grab a guy in the second wave of free agency? We'll see. But it'd be nice to have one. Tariq Cohen's available. Uh, let's say again. Tariq Cohen, let's keep going to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a quick little kid, right? No doubt about that. Um, so, I mean, when we so you know, I know we're going to move on in our position group. When we talk about quick, the spot that I'm really interested in is, is, the, is slot receiver. What are they going to wind up doing there? Because for me right now, that's, that's the one big question that still exists on the offense. Well, let's go ahead. What were your numbers on running backs a week ago so and I, today? I, I felt good about Najee going in. You know, I mean, I felt, you know, my, my question wasn't about Najee. It was about everything else. So, I mean, I'm up to like an eight or a nine with him. I feel re- really confident that he's going to be a strength. I dare say that he could be a 10 with these changes that this team made. Yeah. Let's go ahead. I know you mentioned slot receiver. I intentionally have kept receiver for last. We can take about 20 seconds on the tight end group because not much is going to change with this group. We don't expect them to do much of anything. We know they're not bringing Eric Ebron back. We, uh, we know that Pat Fryermuth is going to be the guy. And Mr. Christopoulos, who I talked to yesterday from Believe in Bears, said this is one guy in Fryermuth could benefit the most from a guy like Mitch Trubisky. And he talked about how Trey Burton did so well with the Bears, with Trubisky. And he's thinking that this tight end group led by Pat Fryermuth could be absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's funny when you, uh, before we do these podcasts, I have a whiteboard in my little office here where I'm sitting and I always make some notes on it that I can refer back to as we do this. And at the top of the whiteboard, one of the questions I wrote is who will benefit. And number one I have on there is Fryermuth. And I'm talking about who will benefit from some of the changes that they've made. And the big thing is they're, you know, they're going to run a more movement based offense. Uh, and that'll include a lot of uh, movement in the passing game, especially if they run that outside zone run scheme, the playoffs action off the of outside zone is tremendous. And tight ends tend to benefit the most from it because you get the linebackers moving. And then what's that open up? That opens up all those crossing routes that open up, opens up those kind of slam flat routes that tight ends run. Uh, and with a guy like Fryermuth, uh, you know, we can expect to see those things that we didn't, that we didn't see last year. So he's absolutely going to benefit tremendously from these changes. So Matt Canada's offense seems like it has improved in every sense of the game except wide receiver has not been addressed yet we know it's going to be addressed one guy that you 
are so high on is a guy that you're hoping they bring in, but he's going to the Chicago Bears as of three minutes ago. Byron Pringle is off off the wish list, list, Kevin. I'm very sorry to break that to you. Well, okay. Yes, he's the dude I wanted. No doubt about that. But you know who's still out there? Juju Smith-Schuster, right? There would, there would be, I mean, Byron Pringle and Juju Smith-Schuster are very similar players. Uh, and, and I was coveting Pringle under the assumption that we would lose Juju. If Juju wants to come back to town, uh, he'd be great in the slot in this offense. Absolutely great. Because we just talked about how Fryermuth would benefit. Uh, Juju can benefit from all that same stuff. I mean, he's a tough physical slot receiver. He's a big target. He will block in an outside zone scheme. He will run those crossing routes. Uh, you, you'll be able to get him up the seam if you can move some safeties with play action. Uh, I mean, you know, if I were him and I were looking at some other spots and the money was not that different, I'd really think about coming back. Very interesting. That's uh, I really think he sh- he should. Um, with Pringle leaving, you never know. There, there's still that Kansas City possibility for Juju Smith-Schuster. So I'm anxious to see exactly what Kansas City is looking at doing. I know the Philadelphia Eagles were another destination and Philadelphia came out and said, nope, we're not in on Juju. So it will be really interesting on what happens with Juju Smith-Schuster. But for those of you that are worried about the wide receiver position, those wide receivers didn't start falling until, I mean, gosh, the big signing was on Wednesday and it was Allen, excuse me, on Thursday. And it was Allen Robinson going to the Rams. And he's probably one of the, the biggest free agents out there. So there's, there's a lot of receivers that haven't gone anywhere as of yet. And now you've got, um, as of today, um, excuse me, as of Thursday, Cole Beasley's available now too. I'm the, I just, all I'm saying is there are more receivers available out there. The, uh, there's a lot in the market. They're not moving fast. And that means that Juju could be coming back home to Pittsburgh. Yeah. We talked about Jamison Crowder last week as a guy we like uh, as a slot receiver. But one thing that's interesting is um, when you look at all these moves that they've made, right? Mitchell Trubisky, who, who we still regard as a, as a young player, he's now the oldest guy on the offense. He's 27 years old. Every single player in the start of the starting 11 is – under the age of 27 and and that's remarkable and so and so what that tells me is like you're not looking at at a, a guy like Beasley uh and as your slot player because you know I mean there there seems to be an investment in in youth again I'll, I'll just rattle it off for you because I have it right here Trubisky's 27 Harris is 24 Juju 25 Deontay Johnson 25 Claypool's 23 Gentry's 25 Firemoose 23 Okorafor's 24 Dotson's 25, Moore's 23, Daniels is 24, uh, and Cole's 25. That's a really young offense, and that's exciting. And so maybe the Steelers are willing to say, hey, if we can't land a, a young guy who we can get on a, on a team-friendly deal, then we'll look for a, a, a slot with maybe our, our one or two pick. Very good. Final thoughts on the first day of free agency, which Thursday was the first day of it. But just the, the week in general, where is the arrow pointing? And is this a deep playoff team? I don't know if this is a deep playoff team because it, it's, a, it's a young offense that's going to undergo a lot of change. Uh, there's a lot of things in transition right now. 
but it's a team that, that whose future certainly seems a heck of a lot brighter than it did a week ago. I mean, if a week ago, I think we all had a lot of nervousness about what, you know, what was ahead and a lot of questions to be answered. And a lot of those questions I think have been answered in a way that, that makes us feel pretty optimistic. Uh, so I feel as though that the arrow is certainly pointing up on the Steelers uh, at a time when I think many people with Roethlisberger leaving and, and questions about the direction of the franchise thought that that might not be the case. All right, Kevin, real quick. What's the next domino to fall? Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's two big, big uh, positions to fill on the defense. We got to find a safety, whether it's Terrell Edmonds or, or somebody from outside the organization. Uh, and, and there's probably a need for uh, another defensive lineman. And then on offense, there's a need for, for a slot guy. So I would expect it to be one of those three positions. Um, I, I kind of hope they bring Edmonds back. I mean, I think he's a little bit better player than, than, than a lot of people do. And I think that he knows the system. And I think that he's a guy uh, who Brian Flores could, could do a lot of good things with. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I expect it to be one of those spots. All right. Well, thanks, Kevin, so much. There's going to be so much happening next week. I cannot wait to be talking about it. So we will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Everybody have a great week. All right. So let's go ahead and check out BTSC for every single thing Pittsburgh Steelers and make sure that you're checking out not just the website, but the podcast platform as well. For Kevin Smith, I'm Brian Anthony Davis. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocyclone.